You're listening to Hawk Talk, the official podcast of Monmouth University Athletics. Here are your hosts, Eddie Acapinti and Greg Viscomi. Newest episode of Hawk Talk coming at you and another great week, great guest, great content matter. Eddie Acapinti, Greg Viscomi, we're with you. Thanks for joining us. Greg, how you doing this week? I'm doing great now. It's an exciting day around here in the Monmouth Athletics offices. We're going to basically cover the two biggest things going on, I would say, uh, this week for for the Hawks. And uh, they're both things that are very near and dear to my heart. So I'm in, a, in, in a, a good mood. I have turned it around. Not just one, but you had two apples today, by the way. Is that like, and that's a pure energy thing. You know, apples have a lot of caffeine in them. They have almost as much caffeine as a cup of coffee. I am, tr- I didn't know, first of all, I did not know that. It's true. Second Natural of all, I am, I am trying to turn over a new leaf. I'm trying to be a little more active. I'm trying to eat a little bit better. Maybe not just be such a fat slob. So, <laughs> so, the, so the apples, so instead of grabbing like a bag of chips or a granola bar and an apple, I just grabbed two apples and they're mad filling. They are. They are. I'm a big apple guy while I drive. I know that's a weird thing because, mm-hmm. like, your hands are busy when you drive. Mm-hmm. But I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. Like We're all trying apple. to do that. We're all trying to be more active. And you know what a great way to be more active is? Not just coming out to see some of the athletic events here because we're outside now. Sure. Springtime, you can bring the family. Mm-hmm. But it's not just important to be active with what you do and, and taking more steps and doing all that. But it's great to be active in other ways. And one of the great things that brings a lot of the different members of the Monmouth University community together and how you can be active, how you can engage is by Monmouth University Giving Days. And it is, <laughs> I was wondering if you were wrapping that around into that. Come on, I'm a I pro. Like, I'm a pro. I like, come on. I've done this before. Okay. But I'm very passionate about it for two reasons. I work here and I went here and I mm-hmm. went here twice and my mm-hmm. sister went here and we are very tied into, I think what goes on here, but I think it's important for people to know, and we're very happy to welcome Tony Musket in a little bit. We got big news, football schedule coming out, a lot of great things. But Greg, we got to lead off with Giving Day because Giving Days, I should say, you're seeing it everywhere. March is the month of giving, mm-hmm. and with all of the great things happening at Monmouth now, and that will be happening in the future, these days are just crucial, Huge. crucial to what we're doing here as an institution. Definitely, and um, you know there are some. Presently, he's come in and, and really kind of dialed down the amount of, instead of asking people 10 times a year to be philanthropic, philanthropist. Philanthropic. Philanthropic. Oof. Long one. Anyway, instead of asking people eight times to be philanthropic, thank you. It's easier when you do it that way. You were you were complicating yeah, it because yeah. I've done that before. Just not <laughs> smart. Um, it, it's easier... W- to do it not easier it's better to do it you know let's focus on three or four different days and one of those big days are giving days and and the thing from an athletics point of view with giving days is like you you can give directly to the program that you most want to affect like if you played football you could give money directly to football if you played Women's across, you can give money directly to women's across. If you are just a fan of the athletic department, which a lot of our donors and trustees are, you can give to the AD's Excellence Fund, and then that kind of goes to kind of help everything out. And and I think the the biggest thing to kind of drone drive home is that the money that that is given on Giving Days goes into what's called an enhancement account. So it's not operating budget. It's not it's not paying for referees. It's not paying for uh, bus trips or, or flights or whatever. What it's really paying for is to enhance the student athlete experience. And that might be some new equipment that they want to get. That might be some, you know, some team gear that they want to get. That might be an experience, maybe having a speaker come in and speak to the team or, or maybe, you know, talking to like a sports psychologist, something like that. Uh, it, it really is at the coaches kind of behest or what, what they decide. But that's the biggest thing. So if, if you went to school here and you played a sport here, and that's what you should be giving back to, you know, ensuring that the next person's experience is, is as good or greater than you had. And that's a great way to do it. And it doesn't matter what, how much money you give. Not everybody has to give a thousand dollars or $500 or even a hundred dollars. If you give over $33, this is new this year, you get a pair of premium, premium socks and everybody loves socks. Everybody has to wear socks except for the summertime. 
Summertime, we're in the beach. No socks. Nobody wears socks. Well, if you do, you're going to, you know, people are going to notice. Yeah, they're going to make fun of you. They're going to make fun of you. I've I've seen Gary the Badger Kowal wear the boat shoes, no socks. I mean, those go on. Those go on in May. They don't come off until (laughs) September. So other than that, all winter long, you must wear socks. And what better way to get some socks? Premium. I've been told premium socks. $33 gift or more. This Wednesday, this Thursday, giving days. Mammothhawks.com slash giving days is the landing page that goes to the athletics portion of giving days. It's it's good to note that this is an entire university initiative. Correct, but it's an athletics podcast. No, I know I was getting that. I know, I know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and something you should do if, if you, I know Greg and I last week shouted out our, our personal social media, but it's also more if you're friends with us and, you know, I, I feel like I'm in a unique position because a lot of my friends, and really specifically on a platform like Facebook, right? Because that's, I was in college when Facebook started, right? So there's friends of mine from college that I unfortunately haven't seen since college. But if you follow Greg and I, if you're friends with us, you're going to see our individual links that are up there. You know, I have friends that I went to Monmouth with. I didn't play a sport. You know, I, I wasn't a student athlete. I was a member of, you know, student media organization. So for someone like me, I want people to give to the sport of their choice, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's not one sport that I look at here and I go, it, it needs it. They all need it. And that's the thing. But I also have so many friends that were student athletes from classmates all the way through students that worked for us and were interns. So it's important to do that. It's important to show that, you know, your experience was a great one, like Greg said, and the one that comes after you should be an even better one. And this is the way to ensure of that. And if you're an alum and as an alum times two, I'm talking specifically to you. If you're an alum, we have a responsibility Mm. to give because it betters the experience of the institution that we went to. Now, look, I paid to go to school here, you know, and, and, and my family did. Right. So I wasn't a scholarship athlete and I still feel passionate about you. You have to do this because of what it represents and because of the community and the family that you belong to. And, and like I set that number at 33, but obviously that's for the socks. If you don't, you know, we've all been there young, starting a family. If you, maybe you don't have it. Maybe, I mean, these days, everybody's asking for money. No, exactly. And there are a ton of good causes out there. So if you, if you can only afford 20 bucks, throw 20 bucks. If you can afford more, afford more. But what what I'd love to see is, so last year, athletics raised almost $90,000. We're trying to push that over, over a hundred this year. We're a competitive entity. So it's okay for us to be competitive yeah. in things like this. Yeah, and and that's what I'd really love to see. And there are some great match gifts out there. We've had some alums step up and say, hey. Actually, I'm pretty sure we've had some coaches step up too and say, hey, if we get X amount of gifts over the next hour and a half, I'll match it up to $1,000. So if 100 people give, you know, give up to that 1000 bucks, then – that person is going to give the give a thousand themselves, and there's a lot of, a lot of that going on with our programs because there are people who care and there are people who are willing to open up their pockets to try to make the experience of these student athletes you know you know better. So, our coaches all did testimonials on social media. Get on their social medias and see um, about you know saying thanks, but how it affects them, how it affects their programs, and you know how important it is that 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 you do give back and help out. So. It, it, it all just kind of goes cyclically, right? Cyclically. Because every dollar that's going to be given is going to help the student-athlete experience. You know, so if you're a fan, you want to see the student-athletes do well. This is a way for you to directly impact the students that you come and support and the coaches that you come and support. And there's really few times when that's the case, right? Like, mm-hmm. this is a way with Monmouth moving into the Colonial Athletic Association and the challenges that the athletic department and the university are going to have with that, this is a way for you to directly positively impact those student athletes and those coaches. And it doesn't matter the sport. It doesn't matter. Like Greg said, the size of the gift there's trustees, good friend of ours. Harold Hodis is on board with a whole bunch of alumni challenges across big time. I believe five different sports big time, right? That's huge. Coach Bogus is, is also jumping on um, with Kristen Krieger and making sure that, you know, they are, right, having the, these matching gifts for women's basketball alums. Um, you know, one of our coworkers, Lucille Flynn, across campus, right? There's people that you don't even know support, 
that if you give, it goes to such a greater good. So, you mm-hmm. know, not to belabor mm-hmm. the point, but but like Greg and I are saying, it doesn't go to our pocket. This isn't Eddie and Greg. Yeah, no. This doesn't go to the podcast. This goes to the student athletes on the field, the coaches, the ones that are making an impact. The more they get, the better they do, the better they do, the happier we all are. And and the final point I kind of want to drive home with this giving days is this is an opportunity to to show the university that athletics matters. And I'm not saying that the, the university doesn't think that athletics matters, but we're going in the CAA. I'm not going to BS. I'm not going to cut around and beat around the bush. You know, there is a financial challenge with joining the CAA. Uh, there are schools that fund their programs much better than we fund our programs because they're bigger schools or because of whatever, for whatever reason. This is a way to help dig into that deficit a little bit and help out, but also to show the school, well, wait a minute. We had X amount of people give X amount of money on giving day for athletics. Well, maybe, maybe that's worth investing in. Maybe, maybe all the things that the athletics people have been saying about how it's the front porch of the university and how some of our student athletes are our best alumni. Maybe, maybe we do need to go back to the drawing board and, and come up with some, some more cash for our athletic program. So when they get into the CAA, they're more competitive and, and everything else. So, you know, that, that's a, that's a big deal. It's a huge deal. It's a big deal. And you'll see it all over all of our social media over the next couple of days. Um, Again, on Wednesday and on Thursday, Monmouth University's giving days. uh, uh, You know, the links are everywhere. You're going to have to try hard not to see them. So if you can, every gift of regardless of size is appreciated. And like I said before, if you're an alum, it's a great way to show that the place you had such a great time matters in your life. And I think that's an important part. It's also important. We know we're still in the midst of our spring seasons. We understand that, um, you know, we still have teams that are in the process now of trying to finish their stay in the Mac the right way. Uh, This week's broadcast is um, on ESPN plus it's the women's lacrosse team taking on a really good temple team. That's Wednesday at three o'clock. Obviously for all of the spring results and all of the spring schedules, you got to go to mammothhawks.com. But Greg, you know, you're talking CAA. We're talking how important, next year is how important giving days are into that and it leads into you know what what is pretty a you know it's a landmark thing and it's monmouth football's first caa schedule that is in front of them the schedule release uh due this week it is we are eagerly anticipating it um we're going to talk to the quarterback of the program tony musket about it but you mentioned it two big things in your life giving day is one of them mama football schedule release my work is a, life is a pretty big your work life good point <laughs> it's a pretty big one as well yeah, I mean, I'm pumped. I'm looking at it right now, and, and as we're recording this, the, the schedule's set to come out in a couple of weeks, and I know pe- or a couple hours, and I know people have been waiting a couple of weeks to, to get their hands on this and to be able to read this. Uh, and and there were some hoops to jump in, jump through. And, you know, it wasn't easy for the CAA to to be able to um, put together, you know, a 13 team schedule when it was so late and had you know two two new teams joining in in Monmouth and Hampton. Um, but I guess we can run down it really quick. I mean, the thing that jumps off the, 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 the paper to me is that we're opening up at New Hampshire on Thursday night, nine one. So it's only the second time in school, a third time, excuse me, in school history that we've opened up with a conference opponent. Um, just a little background on that, that, that game was actually scheduled as a non-conference game, uh, prior to us joining the CIA. And we were going to play them, open up up there on 9-1. And then um, it became a conference game, obviously, when we joined the CAA. So that's kind of how that happened. But the CAA, is, it, they've come out and told us that they um, they are, are not opposed to opening up, teams opening up uh, in conference play. It's just that I really like the way they do scheduling because basically they're allowing you to go out and, and schedule your non-conference games wherever you can fit them in. And sometimes, you know, the MEAC schools, sometimes the Ivy League schools, uh, sometimes the Patriot League schools, sometimes FBS schools have late dates that they'll still allow you to book and play, and then they'll fill in their schedule little, you know, wherever it fits, which which I think is awesome. I just think it makes their life harder. They don't have to do that. Most leagues don't do that, um, but it does give you a greater uh, greater well to to dip from for your actual conf- for your non conference games. Yeah, and the flexibility that you get with that is is tremendous, and I think it's important for Mama fans to realize. As great as the Big South was, and they were as good a conference partner, I think, as Monmouth could have hoped to have the last however many years Monmouth was a member of the league. But the CAA is 
it's going to be such a game changer for the university as a whole. And, you know, if you look at the schedule, it is a 100% drivable schedule for Monmouth football fans. Yeah. There is not one game on the schedule that you can look at and go, ooh, you know what? Uh, you could work on Friday, you could leave work on Friday, and you could get to every single game next year. That's home and away. And that kind of flexibility with the caliber of league mm -hmm. is going to be a huge, huge game changer. Great home schedule next year as well. The 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 local games you can get to. There's going to be more information on how you get together with other Monmouth fans coming up right over the next few months. Yeah, we're going to have some great tailgates, some top-notch tailgates. Great tailgates. We're going to be there, so you'll be able to catch up with us, right? Talk Monmouth football before, you know, we got to go to work, which is awesome. Um, and, and when you look at it, I feel like it's one of those schedules. I feel like we say this every, like, year. Every year is the hardest schedule this team's going to face. Now, well, it, it's, you know, take FBS teams out of the right, equation. Right, and we don't have an FBS opponent for this year because... Uh, well, we were holding for a team that said that they were going to play us, uh, and then they decided very late to back out and not play us, even though they were supposed to play us in 2020. So right, but, I'll leave it at that. But there's like <laughs> at least 10 teams on the schedule that are sitting right here going, we're going to make the playoffs next year. You know what I mean? There is a ton. Really, it's all of them. All of them probably have a, thing, yeah, have a chance I mean, that they can do that. You know. So outside of the, car, outside of the CAA schedule, we got three non-conference games. They all happen to be... Um, Patriot League opponents, which was a big thing. Coach Callahan was was about scheduling the Patriot League when we were in the Big South. Um, that's the other thing people should know is that that these non conference schedules are made five, six, seven years in advance. Like I'm literally talking to teams about us playing in 2028. Yeah, and people need to realize that the COVID wag of scheduling, right, which was not so much in football, but in other sports, which were kind of thrown together last minute. Mm -hmm. Folks, that's gone. We're back to business as usual in college athletics. Right. So right now, I was just entertaining a conversation with somebody about a, a game in 2026. So, we're, you know, with the exception of a couple FBS games that we're ironing out contracts with, um, we are basically booked from now until 2026, which is, um, is wild. I mean, that's five years of football. I love it. I yep. love it. I'm looking at the schedule now. You'll see it all over our social media. Yep. You're, you're going to you know hear, obviously, all the great things from Monmouth fans. It, dive into the research. right? Get to learn these CAA teams. You've, you've known casually how good they are, but now get into it. And then you mentioned the the three Patriot League teams are familiar opponents to Monmouth. Um, the one we haven't played in a while, and the one I was a student at, I don't know why I'm teasing it. It's out now. But, yeah, I mean, it'll be out by the time this comes out. Right. When we were, I, I'll never forget being a student broadcasting on, on the student radio station when Monmouth beat Georgetown. I want to say it was 12 10. Um, back in like 2004, it was a great game down mm -hmm. in, you know, down there. You played there. them in 03 and 04. 04 was down there. I yeah. That, uh, I think it was my first road trip as a student radio broadcaster and um, a great game there. And then, uh, you know, obviously. You think seen, the president's excited about that one? Yeah, maybe a little be, bit. Being a Georgetown alum, you maybe, think he's pumped? Maybe a little bit. He might try to suit up that game. Who are we kidding? <laughs> He's told. I mean, he'd have to be outside receiver. You know what? I think with today's game, I see him as a stand-up tight end down the seam. You're oh. going to put your safety on him. He's too big for your safety. <laughs> He's right. too fast for your linebacker. So we got. So we got to talk. Matchup maybe nightmare. Next, maybe next time we have President Lay on, we'll ask him if you played football. Where you know where could you see yourself playing? Or he'd just be a quarterback. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. He could be a quarterback. I mean, what, he's got to be like six five. I just like when I interview him. I like if he's seated because if we're standing, it's right. very uncomfortable. I think he's about six five, six six. But we're so excited to welcome our, our guest on this podcast, Tony Musket. Had a great okay. conversation uh, with him. So what we're going to do is, uh, and we're so excited again. Giving days. We're so excited about all of the great things going on here. We'll welcome in the quarterback for the Mammoth Hawks football team, Tony Musket. After this brief timeout, you're listening to Hawk Talk. So happy to welcome in our guest on this week's Hawk Talk. And I always love when we can not only, Greg, talk to our student athletes, but you know what? It's always a good day when we get to talk a little Mammoth football. And with the schedule release and all of the great buzz around the program and moving into the CAA, we're happy to welcome in the quarterback of the program. And Tony Musket joins us. And Tony, how you doing today, man? I'm good. Thank you guys for having me. This seems like a great podcast and I'm excited to uh, be on it. Well, we appreciate it. And I'd like to think it's a great podcast. I think Tony's right. <laughs> I would agree. We're so excited to have you here and, and, you know, with all of the great news around the program, 
starting off next year, joining the CAA, all the great things. We're going to get into all of it with you, but, um, you know, as you sit here today now, right, in, in getting ready for your third college season, you know, just how you feel now going into this offseason. How was everything with you personally, you know, coming out of this past season and getting ready for the next year? You know, when you started playing, you didn't have an offseason. Right mm-hmm. now you get that full offseason with the team. How are you doing? Yeah, um, I think it's going really well, actually. Um, the big kind of story I feel like is, you know, we had a lot of older guys with the COVID year. We had a ton of six-year guys, fifth-year guys that just uh, they're moving on with their lives and no longer playing football for us. And um, mainly, like, our main point was that we wanted to see who was going to step up and see who the leaders can be. And uh, so although we're going to have a, new, a lot of new faces on the, on the field, both sides, I think that there are a lot of hungry guys and that they had to sit behind those older guys and they learned from them and they learned the offense, they learned the defense, and now they're ready to go. And they're really anxious to get out there because they finally have the opportunity. And it's been fun leading them. You know, they're guys that I feel like they're easy to lead because they're so willing to like put the work in and be able to go hard every day. And that just makes my job easier as a leader. I think one of the things that the coaches that we, we kind of talked about, that I talked about with the coaching staff was, you know, when you don't get that winter break, there's a lot of guys on this team right now who haven't had a, a real traditional college football season. And and one of the reasons why, and we just released a practice schedule yesterday, but one of the reasons why Coach Callahan decided to delay the practice schedule, normally we'd take the full five weeks to, to do the 15 practices, kind of space things out. Now they're doing it in, in essentially four weeks, um, is to give these to give the younger guys, the guys that Tony mentioned, more of a time to, to you know, get in the weight room with Tim and, and his crew and work on agility and work on speed and work on like a full nutrition and all that kind of thing. So uh, how important do you think that is? I mean, obviously coach Callahan and the coach thought it was important, but I'd like to hear from a, from a, a player that it's not just getting on the field and throwing the ball around and calling plays. It's also the work that goes in behind the scenes. Yeah, this is, we were just talking in the locker room yesterday. This is really going to be the grade above me, the rising senior class, this is going to be their first full off season as a college student, which is kind of mind blowing. But um, yeah, it's definitely huge because, you know, the off season, the weight room in the winter, that's where you, I feel like develop leaders because you see the guys that are really going to be willing to put the work in every day. And then going into the spring ball, that's where your time to kind of tune up your skills and, you know, improve on what you have to improve on from last season. And no one has really had that full chance to do that in a full year yet. So we're all really excited to be doing that and have the opportunity this year. Crazy, isn't it? That, that, you know, what we're coming out of affected so much of, like Tony said, you have guys that are going into their senior year. Yeah. And they, like, to us, us old folks that have been around for a while, we're used to the spring schedule and we're used to kind of what's going on now. But that's, it's crazy to me. I mean, just kind of evidenced by the fact that Tony played two seasons in one year. <laughs> yeah. And I think what you saw was, I think, like, you had a lot of soft tissue injuries, both not even just on the football team, but on all of our sports teams. And, and just talking with Tim Ream and, and, and our sports medicine crew, they attributed a lot to, to everybody playing in the spring. And I'm not just talking football. I'm talking soccer, field hockey. Play in the spring, you get a short summer off, and then you're right back to playing games in the fall. And I think you saw, I mean, we were kind of besieged on defense specifically uh, injury wise, and and it was all tissue stuff, you know, and and I think that that was a big part of it. And we missed some big pieces, and that's kind of I think what might have happened in some of those games where we didn't perform exactly the way that we thought the team would, you know, the Holy Cross, Kennesaw State, those type of games. Yeah, and and Tony, I mean, coming out of now, right? We, we go into and I'll, we'll go through your specific journey in a second, but like we said, playing in the spring and then in the fall, right? And, and you really put two seasons of college football condensed into one calendar year. But now, as you've noticed, you mentioned this group that you're leading, right? These young, hungry players and, and even the other veterans like yourself. Well, as we kind of get ready for spring ball, you know, how, how is kind of the, the mood around this team, right? I know that, you know, obviously the season didn't end last year the way the program wanted, but with this mm-hmm. kind of new birth now and going into the CAA, how is that kind of renewed energy, you know, with you and with the other players? Oh, we're all we're all super, super excited, especially, like you mentioned, the CAA. You know, after the Kennesaw State game, the conference championship, where we, went in, we didn't come out the way we wanted to, um, even just the next week, like we had guys that were already coming in that were anxious to get back to it. And I feel like now, since we made the transition to the CAA, I feel like everybody's just 100%, 110% ready to go because we know the challenge that's going to pose. And it's just, it motivates us more. And those dudes always want to get better. And we bring the work every day. I haven't really been a group, been around a group like this where, like, there's always such a high energy and kind of like, just like guys seem happy, like genuinely happy to be out there and to get better. And I love being a part of that. What, 
we'll take it back to and, and it's funny because you brought up you know guys haven't had a full spring ball and whatever you haven't had a full spring ball yeah. <laughs> you, you come in here in in, in the fall of 2019 yeah. um obviously sit behind a really really good team watch what's going on here comes 20 gets canceled right no, I came in here in 20. Yeah, you came in here 20. Came in Sorry. 20, correct. That got canceled. Yeah, I was sitting here thinking, I was like, he wasn't, you know, when we had Kenji. Well, at that point, Tony, not to cut you off, was, I think, the program's biggest recruiter at that point because sure. you couldn't go on social media and Without not see him. Hey, come join kinda, the Hawks. Yeah, and I'll, I'll ask you more about that in a second. Right? Please continue. <laughs> Sorry, so you come in 20, season gets canceled, and then, um, you, you know, you you don't really have a spring ball. We're so limited in what you can do and who you can be around. And at time we didn't know that much about the virus and they thought, you know, just being in a room together, you know, we was totally off limits. Oh, we were wearing masks outside. Yeah, it was wild. And then, um, yeah, I mean, we were masks at practice sometimes. And then, uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, for one reason or another, you, you're, you're thrust into the starring role the week of Charleston Southern in the spring. What was that like to, at any point, did you go home and you were like, I don't know if I'm ready for this? Um, I mean, obviously, when I was told that, there was a little bit of like, okay, this is reality. But honestly, uh, speaking about the whole COVID situation, and obviously COVID's an awful thing, but the opportunity that it gave me, because I had the whole fall and the whole winter to really just focus on the playbook, focus on running the offense, and especially because I couldn't, no one could go out to parties, no one could like go do anything like that. So it's just me. I'm in the room with Dimir. I'm in the room with Jack Neri, our tight end, and we're just running through the playbook every night. There's nothing else to do really. And so I think that paid dividends once the time came. And Coach Aro, uh, Coach Demuzio, our quarterback, quarterback coach, told me that I was going to be starting. I was like, okay, this is going to be a lot, but I've I've put the time in. I know the playbook like the back of my hand. So I felt confident in that, and then I just played well. And yeah, how was it walking out there? You're at home. Against Charleston Southern, limited crowd because of COVID, which stunk. Um, and then I, I think it was the fourth play from scrimmage. You uncork a 72-yarder to, to Terrence Green. I mean, just did, did you know right – and I'm taking you back, but did you know right off the bat that's where you're going with the ball the whole time? Um, well, I remember the first drive we came out, um, I threw a snap to TG, a little short hitch route. And then I think it was third and third and long, third and eight, and I threw a dig route to Santi Kearney. And I was still nervous before that play, but once I threw that dig route, and I was like, okay, like I'm good. And then I think it was two plays later, I gave TG the go route, threw it to him, he scored. And after that, I was like, yeah, I'll be, I'll be fine. <laughs> that that third down throw, I remember looking at Matt Harmon doing the broadcast, and I remember like I pushed the button where you couldn't hear what we were saying, and I, I just looked at him, I said, wow. I said, that's a, that's a veteran throw. And I remember at that point feeling like, all right, here we go. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. Uh, Steve Edelson, our, our beat writer, because, you know, we, we kept it kind of quiet that Tony was starring all week because that's kind of how we do things. And then, uh, I you know, I walked down right before kickoff and I'm like, hey, listen, just to let you know, you know, Tony Musket, true freshman, is going to start. And everybody was like, oh, my God, like, what, what do you think? I said, oh, we'll see, we'll see what happens. <laughs> So uh, he throws, I think, you know, like you said, he, th he threw the short. I think we, I think he threw one kind of short over the middle to maybe Lonnie on like second down or something, something crazy like that happened. And then, and then he hits the dig and then he throws the, the go route and Steve Edelson turns around and goes, uh, I think you guys will be all right. I said, yeah, I think so. And the rest is kind of history. So uh, I just want to fast forward to the end of that season. We go, we go up to, you know, second seeded, I think. Yeah. Uh, Sam Houston State, and now you've only played three games, which is bizarre in its own. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's never going to happen. We had you know canceled twice. Uh, well, the whole season was a playoff run, right? That's normally <laughs> yeah, a playoff run is three, four games, right? Yeah. And uh, you know, Rob Morris cancels on us twice, so we're not. We're, you know, we don't even get that fourth game in. So your fourth game is a playoff game uh, down in, in in Sam Houston, down in in Huntsville, Texas. Uh, what did you think about that game? Well, obviously, we came up short, but it was not for a lack of effort. I mean, the whole team really gave everything they had. Yeah. I mean, that was probably the best environment that I've played at. Just their fans were really into it. They really, like, knew knew their stuff. They knew how to, like, try to trash talking and stuff like that. But <laughs> even more so than that, they were uh, just a really good team, the eventual national champions that year. And, you know, first half we didn't play how we wanted to, and then we come out in the second half, fourth quarter, and we come back and we're down six with, what, minute 30 left, and we go down the field. Um and we were nine yards away from winning that game. And so really, my, our main point from that was we can compete on the national level. And that's how we felt all last year. 
obviously we had some injuries that weren't very key for us. They didn't help us out a lot, but uh, we still kind of have that mindset, even just still from that game and carrying on now, that we can compete with the national champions of the of the FCS and we can play at that level. We can perform and we can beat those teams, but we just have to like be consistent and execute in all facets of the game. And, and before we take a look even at last year and, and moving forward, we are going to look at the schedule with Tony on this episode of Hawk Talk. Um, I do want to bring you back even before then. You know, before we all had the chance to, to meet you, you know, as, as administrators, obviously you met all the coaches. Um, you know, we I, I just noticed you were all over the place on social media, and it seemed like almost helped rally that recruiting class together. Mm-hmm. So did you take it upon yourself early on? Like after you, you committed to Monmouth early, and right. then at from that point on, did you feel like, you know what, if I'm going to be the quarterback of this team, it's time to lead them, however that looks, whether it's in the weight room and off-season conditioning, like you mentioned, yeah. but also that way. And it was, you know, impossible to to not notice, right? You, whether it's liking things or whether it's, mm-hmm. you know, kind of putting comments out there like, guys, join us. We're building something special there. When did you kind of realize then that, you know what, I, I do want to be a leader for this program, even before you ever stepped foot on campus? Um, I mean, I've always wanted to be a leader. That's just something that my parents have taught me. And I think that if you have the ability to lead that you're called to be a leader. And so when I committed to Monmouth, um, I mainly committed because of the coaching staff here. I felt like they're one of the most genuine and best coaching staffs in the country, even at the FBS level. So once I decided to commit pretty early, I are the recruits. I was kind of trying to be like really genuine and tell them, no, like guys, this is like a staff. You want to come play for them. This is a place that you want to be at. And uh, just doing that consistently, I think it paid off. You know, we had, I was roommates with Dimir Miller on my official visit. He ended up coming here. and We're both best friends now and stuff like that. And so really just, I was really genuine about the fact that even more so than being a leader, I wanted them to come experience and be in a good place like this. At Tony Musket, not not hard to find him on Twitter. No, Definitely go active. give him He's a follow. Great. Give him a follow. You're going to get a lot of Hawk stuff. You're going to get a lot of sports stuff. You're going to get some spiritual stuff. You, uh, you definitely need to be following him at, at, on Twitter at Tony Musket. Uh, so let's kind of, we'll, we'll kind of f- jump around a little bit here, but I want to talk about some of the pieces around you on the offense. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to talk about every piece because I have different questions for each pieces, but how many other places in the country do you think have three starting running backs? Because that's yeah. essentially what we have. Yeah. yeah, We have three starting running backs and each Different games, you saw how each one of them could be a starter. Like, you know, Jawan was hurt for that NCAA and T game, and and Jaden and Owen and were just amazing. And Owen catches that little, I don't know, what a route in the middle of the of the field on like fourth and nine or whatever it was, and goes for like fifteen yards. Like, just talk about those guys behind you. Yeah, those guys. I think one of the best running back rooms in the country because you got Jawan, who's a do it all back. You got Jaden, who's lightning fast, and you got Owen, who's a great third down back, can run people over, can catch the ball. And so it's like whatever you need in whatever situation of the game that you need your running back, we have guys that can fit that standard and can perform at that level. And so it's really a blessing because even if, you know, sadly injuries are a part of football, but like you said, Jawan went down last year, but we had Jaden and Owen to come in right away, and there was no there was no slack. We were still right there executing everything we needed to do. And I think as you have more depth and guys like that that can perform – all at the same level that uh, your offense is going to be even more dangerous. How big is a quarterback and running is a running back to a quarterback? I think people always say like, oh yeah, you know, offensive line and wide receivers, but you don't realize like having a good back, whether it's pass protection, whether it's just knowing like in an RPO, like, Hey, you know what? I'm not sure about this. Look, I'm going to hand it off and we'll yeah. be all right. Yeah, exactly. That and tied in with our offensive line and our ability to run the ball. Like when we're running our RPO stuff, if it's a little shady and I'm not sure I feel 110% confident just hand the ball off. We're getting at least five to six yards. And so it just makes my job easier because it makes it so whatever decision I make is usually the right one because we execute and they still get what we need to get, even if it's not perfect on my side. Yeah, I think people right get caught up in, you know, hearing different ways that teams run RPOs and everything else because it's obviously the buzzword in, in football at, <laughs> right, at, right. At, at all levels. Yeah, everybody's you know, running some version of it. Of course, but but to hear it right from the guy who's kind of initiating it every single play, you know, Tony, to have that kind of trust in the group where it's a veteran group now and it's a group that, like you said, does a little bit of everything well, 
as you kind of look at things and you start to evaluate kind of the whole offense and, and we'll move on to the other facets of it, like Greg said, but with that group specifically and having that kind of trust, like Greg mentioned in any really scenario, how does that free you up to, to then be able to go out and make the plays that you need to make knowing that specifically those three running backs are going to do what is needed? Yeah. It just really, it gives me the ability to play comfortable mm. because um, obviously in high school, when you're playing, as a quarterback, you kind of have to worry about making sure everybody else knows their assignments and can execute them. But in college, with the guys that we have, I'm really confident that they're all, one, have the ability to perform, and then two, that they do know their assignment. And so really when we've been having these walkthroughs and stuff, I really am able to just worry about kind of like where I can send the ball to make us have the best play, and I'm confident that they know what they're doing, they're going to execute. So whatever, wherever the ball has to go, wherever I have to send it, we're going to get whatever we need to get, and I'm confident everybody else around me. Is that maybe one of the biggest jumps or one of the things you notice from one level to the other? Yeah, is now, yeah, yeah. Is that maybe one of the bigger ones, you know, knowing that the guys obviously take it as serious as you do, not that they didn't in high school, mm -hmm. but that they're all on the same page here? Yeah, everybody wants... So essentially, everybody in high school wants to be great, but really in college, everybody, it's kind of your job to go out there and perform, right. and everybody takes it as that, and everybody does that at a high level. So, yeah. Let's move up front. You touched on a little bit, I think, when you're talking about having young guys that have a lot of experience and, and or have some experience but are now ready to show what they're doing. I think the offensive line is it, there, may, there may not be another position on the field for the Monmouth Hawks where there's an offensive line with some really highly recruited and highly talented guys that are now that were behind guys that are now ready to kind of step up. Uh, one, we get Justin Zuba back, which yep. is huge. I mean, he's the best. He was the best offensive lineman in the Big South last year, and he didn't even play. Um, you know, he would have been if he wasn't injured. So you get Zuba back. Uh, f first on, on having him back, and you obviously only played with him for one year in the spring, mm -hmm. um, but how important is it to have that, not only is, is he a massive human, but um, just like his physical and, and vocal presence? Yeah, it's huge. He's a, a right tackle, and more so than him just being such a great football player, he's one of our going to be one of our biggest leaders too. And so when you lose somebody like that, it's kind of like, okay, you got to try to kind of replace it with everybody else. And last year, luckily, we had some six years that we were able to do that. But now having him back and him being so much older and so much like been working out this whole past two years, getting ready for this moment, he's going to be an animal. And I can't wait to be out there with him. It's going to be fun to watch. He's definitely one of those guys we got to have on the podcast because he spent the entire last, well, last semester and a half being basically being a coach. Mm -hmm. and, and just chatting with him, he talked about how much differently he looks at the game of football now that he sits in like with Coach Gabe and, and the other oh, yeah. guys and, and learn from a coach's point of view what they're trying to teach you. But now he's got – I mean, he's going to be phenomenal because he's got both pieces of it now. Yeah, right? he's uh, – last year, end of the season, because he was doing a lot of the film work, I'm in there watching film. He's in there with me, and he's asking me questions about, like, my assignment and my, what I'm doing. <laughs> now I'm like, well, you shouldn't know that. You're a right tackle. But, but, yeah, he knows. He's got a full understanding of the whole offense now, which is going to help us like crazy because he knows where my line's at. He knows where the receiver's And he's a 4-0. Yeah, yeah. He's a 4-0. He's it, a brilliant guy. But And also the ability that he had to sit back, like you mentioned, and see it all from a different perspective. You mentioned it, Craig. When we talk to him, it's going to be fascinating to hear. Um, you know, Tony, it, it, it's been a group, this offense, really, since you've been here, and, and going back even before that, it's been so explosive, right? And, and you mentioned the running back room is probably the best room in FCS football. I think the last three years, you know, we were at, we were out there saying that Mammoth had the best wide receiver duo in the country when yep. you look at what Lonnie and what Terrence were able to accomplish. So now as they've both moved on and, you know, we wish them both nothing but the best in their future endeavors. Um, you know, how's that group now? You know, how's the wide receiver room now? You mentioned how close you are with Dimeer. You yep. mentioned some of the other players. Um, you know, kind of assess where that kind of group is now and, and as they get ready for the fall. Yeah, I'm really excited to get out there in the spring and work with those guys because, like I was saying earlier, it's just a group of really, really hungry guys. We got Joey Alderelli, 60-year coming back. He's been plagued by injuries too, so he's really anxious and hungry to get back out there. Um, Santi Kearney out wide, Dre Tucker out wide. Then we got Dimir and A.B. in the slots. Then we also have the two transfers, um, Darian Carrington from Yale and Ugo from uh, UVA. So it's going to be really exciting just having all those guys out there and to be able to kind of like – just one, develop, continue to develop chemistry because this is, once again, the first offseason we've had where I've really been throwing them routes, you know, every other day trying to, like, get the timing down and everything. And then, two, just making plays and stuff and be able to put the pads on and go out there and let those guys do their thing, let those guys go to work. If um, we'll, we'll jump back into the guys on the, on the roster now, but if you're 
if you're getting on the phone with an NFL quarterback and and they they're interested in Lonnie Moore, what's the one thing you can tell them about Lonnie as a quarterback that they can expect? He's just smooth. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw the pro day footage. We're at the pro day, but I'm throwing him routes, and it's just wherever. Like I thought, I threw him a deep last ball today. It was a deep go ball, and I thought I threw it like five yards in front of him out of bounds, and then he's running under it. He makes some acrobatic like over the shoulder snag. <laughs> and I was like, oh. I was like, yeah, Lonnie just his adjustments and the way he gets in and out of routes is ridiculous, and he's able to just like stay balanced in whatever position he's in, and it's it's crazy. He's just like really athletic and has really great ability. Yeah, I think like Eddie said, everybody's pu- pulling for him, and and obviously TG, you know, decided to try to take his fifth year at an FBS school in JMU, and as much as we wanted him here to be a hawk, he he was nothing but a model kid and a student athlete when he was here. And obviously I'll be watching and wishing him the best wish he would have been, you know, suiting up for one more year for us. But, um, you know, I hope, I hope he does great things down at JMU. Have you talked to those two guys? Obviously Lonnie, you're at the pro day with two yeah. weeks ago, but yeah, uh, I talked to Lonnie last week at the pro day, um, which he did really well at. And then, yeah, TG's always on, a. I room with Damir and TG's always on, he's playing games with Damir on Xbox at night and stuff. <laughs> so yeah, I was able to talk to him a little bit, but I think he likes, I think he likes JMU. That's right by me. So I visited a ton. It's a great football experience, great football school. Mm-hmm. So I think he's definitely gonna have a great time there and have a great experience. Good, good, good. good. He's our favorite Sunbelt wide receiver now. Right? He is our favorite. Yeah, he's <laughs> the only Sunbelt wide receiver I know. So. No, I am, I am very happy for TJ. Miss him. Yeah. He was, he was, you know, it was great to cover him the last couple of years, but, you know, it's obviously now we're excited to, like we kind of mentioned, right? It's, it's this next wave of players that, that, that Tony mentioned. And, you know, Greg, there's going to be, whether it's the guys that are coming back that are going to, you know, assume bigger roles or some of the new players coming in. I, I know, you know, we have to talk about every position because it's so vital, but, you know, selfishly as a broadcaster, I love when a wide receiver goes out, makes great plays. And this group next year, yeah. you know, under the tutelage of, of Kevin Callahan Jr., you know, they've really become such a competitive group on this team that's what makes it so fun to watch uh, dimir miller who tony has mentioned a number of times here he is going to be a fan favorite you can tell already um just working with dimir what you know what are the things you love working with him you know and and obviously threw him a bunch of ball i think he was our third leading receiver last year um but kind of talking a little bit about your chemistry with him um yeah i love his speed he's uh, essentially gonna assume the role that Lonnie had and being our main slot guy, which, uh, and really like him having that speed, it's going to give us such a crazy ability because Lonnie was great at shaking people, getting open and then getting, you know, certain amount of yards. But Dimir, I think it's going to be more downfield. He's going to run by people. He's going to burn you. And so that's going to be really fun to play with because I've never really played with someone that's as fast as him. Wow. So playing with speed like that, I think it's going to be really fun. And, and for a while, I think we had a note going on Joey Alderelli that all he did was catch touchdowns. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, you know, local kid, I feel like he's been here for seven years. Um, and you, like you said, he had some injuries that held him back. Well, you know, what's it kind of like playing with him? Joe, me and Joey have just really great chemistry, as you could you saw in the, when he was healthy during the season. I think I threw him like three games in a row. I threw him like four passes for four touchdowns. He's just <laughs> in the red zone. It's hard to guard him one-on-one. you got to double him. you got to bring a safety over and then he just knows how to manipulate defensive backs, whether it's getting them to flip their hips and then breaking it off or making them think he's running a hitch or a slant and then taking it up the sideline. He just knows what the DB's thinking and can manipulate them so he wants to, how he wants to run his route. I think one of the guys on the team that you've seen some flashes of brightness from but hasn't put it all together yet, and I, I know the coaches are big on him, and, and I'm sure you're, you're waiting for him to put it together, and this could be the year, is Asante Kearney. He's mm-hmm. just a big body. He's got... Tons of, he's got some speed. He's got a lot of athleticism. Um, how, how's it going working with him? It's been going great. He's one of the, I think, the hardest working guys in the receiver room. And that's what I was talking about earlier, the ability to have a full off season. I've been out there with him multiple times a week. We've been working everything from post balls to just intermediate routes, short balls, and then goal line fades and stuff like that. And I feel like I really have an understanding of how his body moves now and how like where he wants the ball, where I, I can get it to him so he can you know perform at the best visibility. And so I think in spring ball, it's going to be huge. I think he's going to break out spring ball. And then uh, going into the fall, I think he's going to have a breakout year too. Nice. You know, and, and there's another, obviously, crew to the offense, which I think is so important, and it's the room that you sit in, right? It's the mm-hmm. quarterback room. Yeah. And it's one that has really, I mean, Mammoth is in the middle of a quarterback run right now that is remarkable. From Kenji 
through Tony, right, and, and no slight to anybody else, but I, I don't know if you've had a more productive last, you know, four, five, six seasons than what Mammoth has had now. Um, you know, so Tony, you know, you know, it's a it's a room, obviously, that you lead and that you help lead, but, you know, obviously, it's a room in flux. There's a talented newcomer that'll be joining. You were in the same position not too long ago yourself, so, you know, kind of take us through, the, you know, that room as, as the evolution, you know, of the quarterback position that now you're entering your third season, in quotes, but second fall, you know, leading. Yeah, I love those kids, man. They're uh, it's kind of weird me being the oldest now, <laughs> but uh, I love all those guys: Frankie, Johnny, Brock, and then Enzo coming in. Uh, just they're always they're honestly just all like really like I was saying earlier, really happy to be there. I don't think I've been a part of a quarterback room yet where like you walk in, everyone's like, "Oh, what's up?" Telling like everyone's like smiling, happy to be there, and ready to get to work. And honestly, it it makes it makes my job easier too because they're coming in. And they're like trying to help each other out. I'm trying to help them out. And it's just, it's an under, like understanding that we all want each other to be the best quarterback that you can be. And I don't think I've been around a group where that's actually genuine, as genuine as it is in this group. And everyone's really happy to be doing that. It yeah. seems like the the focus from Coach Callahan on down, it, it's, and it's been this way for, you know, for a while now. It, it's kind of singularly focused. And it seems like the little things and the details that matter so much, but whether it's talking to you, talking to one of the coaches in the hallway, talking to coach himself, it seems like that singular focus is top down. And it seems like you and your teammates are kind of seeing it every day. Yeah. I mean, it starts from the top. We all coach Cal's the leader of our whole team, our whole program. And uh, he comes in with a great mindset and a great attitude. And it just kind of is reflected throughout the team and through, throughout each position group. So like you mentioned, you're the older guy, which is funny because you know, you're not that old. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> And you got a ton of essentially sophomores and and now a freshman with Enzo. Um, how important do you think it's going to be for Enzo to be able to, you know, graduate early from high school? Mm-hmm. Technically, he shouldn't, you know, in a normal, in quotes, normal world, he wouldn't be coming in until, you know, July at the earliest, maybe yeah. late June. But now he's here now and he's mm-hmm. taking classes and he's balancing work and football. How important do you think it's going to be for him this this semester to, to be able to take live reps against yeah. against the defense? No, it's going to be huge because uh, Enzo's a really talented kid, and I think the main thing going into college football is you, it's a new offense, it's a new playbook, and so you got to have the full understanding and then be able to put that knowledge to use with your talent. So him being here in the spring and obviously me being able to teach him and show him like certain things that I've picked up, it's going to be huge for him in the long run because he's going to be able to, one, know like – where I've made mistakes, he won't be like he'll learn from those, and he won't make those mistakes. And then two, be able to use his talent to do some stuff that he can do, and that uh, can really help the offense. You had, I mean, it happens, but you, you had Coach Demuzio, who obviously helped recruit you and mm-hmm. and led you through your first couple of years. He he ends up leaving to go take another job to further his career. Yeah. Um, and I know that was a really difficult position. He's a friend of mine. We talked about it in this office at length. Um, but then we go out and we get Coach Robertson, which is kind of a, a different move for him. Like he was a head coach at another school, at a Division three school, but he was a head coach and, and a really successful offensive coordinator. What's it like been so far with him? Um, it's been great with Coach Rob. Uh, first, I want to say that I love Coach Demuzio. Uh, he handled the whole situation uh, really respectfully. He called me personally, told me his reasoning, and I was more than happy for him. You know, taking that offensive coordinator job, but um. I love Coach Rob, too. Coach Rob's came in, and he's been willing to, you know, do whatever it takes to kind of earn our trust. And he's done that, and he's put in some great offensive new plays that you'll see coming up in the spring. And uh, I'm really excited to keep on working with him. So, yeah. And whether it's the new coaching, you know, hires that'll be around in the fall or the players that Tony mentioned, um, your first chance to look at this Monmouth football team in person in the fall is going to be September 10th. That's Monmouth's home opener against Fordham. The season, as Greg and I talked about earlier, starts the Thursday prior on Labor Day weekend. So, Tony, you mentioned how excited you and your teammates are for Monmouth football year one in the CAA. Uh, as you kind of look at the schedule, as you kind of now embark on this new journey um, into the CAA, you, what does it mean to you and to your teammates that you're the group that's able to lead this Mammoth program, which has just been, right, it's not that old. You, you talk about Tony yeah. not being old. The Mammoth program's not very old. Yeah. Be the first group to lead them into the CAA. What does that mean to you guys? What are you most looking forward to in the fall? Oh, I mean, it means everything to us. The CAA, because really the CAA is the main FCS football conference along the East Coast. It's schools that recruited us out of high school. And really that we have, uh, you know, a lot of respect for, to be honest. So we're super excited to be that first team that really shows everybody what mom of the football is. Because no one knows yet in the CAA. They don't know who mom of the football is. They don't know what level we play at. We're super excited to show them that. 
And second of all, <coughs> I'm really excited just to go down and play some of these Southern teams that are uh, by my home because I'm from Virginia. So we're going playing. Well, Towson's at home, but still, they recruited me. They were playing at Villanova, at Delaware. That's going to be really awesome. You know, more of my family be able to come and, like, more of the guys' families be able to come. It's going to be really exciting. Yeah, and, and I think as as we kind of look at the schedule and, and, and see it too, Greg, I know that um, things that we've been talking about, right, since, you know, I think our, uh, you know, our, our show on ESPN and the official announcement of the CAA, you, you know, I think it's important to note, like Tony mentioned, the league as a whole is so tremendous. But when you talk about CAA football and the entity that it is, this Mammoth football program is the one leading the charge against the, like Tony said, it's the premier FCS football conference. You know, it's one of the top in the country, definitely the top in the, you know, on the East Coast. And, you know, when you look at the schedule, you start seeing it. Some of, you know, these league games were games that were one-off games before. Now it's every sure. week in and out for this Mammoth team. Yeah, I mean, I just finished writing. I think out of all the teams in the, in the CAA, Mammoth has played eight of the 12 other opponents before. Um, and we'll get a, we'll get a good look at, at New Hampshire, We've never played um, this year, and I'm sure down the road we'll, we'll get a look at some of these other teams uh, that we have not played before. Uh, but there, there wasn't a, a time long ago, and I don't know if I'm speaking at a school here or if I'm going to get in trouble, but like I ever care. Uh, the CAA came to, to, to campus um, and, and looked around and said, uh, you guys don't take football serious enough. You know, you haven't been winning. You don't even offer full scholarships. Your stadium is a dump. I mean, they didn't say that, but they said that. Uh, so we're going to pass and um, call us if you ever get serious. And we obviously did not call call them. They called us this time around. But uh, the bottom line was is, is because of players, because of, A, donations, but also the coaching staff and also players like Kenji, Bahar, and that group, and, and even Tony, obviously, um, because of what they've done, They've gotten us to this point. The CAA then was like, you know what? We want Monmouth. We want a school like Monmouth in the Northeast, in New Jersey. That That's, you know, one of the smaller schools in our conference right now, but can play big. And and they've shown a commitment to facilities, and those are only getting better every year. There's always talks about new fundraising campaigns and, and new facilities being built, and those are ongoing. And then we go out and we win a couple playoff games, and we take Sam Houston to, to the you know to the wire. We have a ridiculous F, FCS uh, win percentage since 2017, um, and that's because of of guys like Tony and the guys that are in the program right now. A bunch of guys that just graduated. Um, you know, players like Daquan Grimes that's coming back. I think, you know, he might be 35 by the time he leaves here. <laughs> and I love Daquan, but like, it wasn't that long ago that we weren't after, we weren't even considered a thought for the CA. And now we're in the premier East Coast Conference playing against some teams that have won national championships, been in national championship games, made deep runs into the playoffs. And, and, and here we are looking at the schedule and, um, like Tony said, we open, you know, we're going to open up at UNH, and then we're at Villanova. I mean, that was Villanova's a top eight team every single year, every year. So, so what's it going to be like to, to roll over there to, to Villanova and play against, uh, you know, a team like that? And I'm not saying we're looking past Fordham or Georgetown, but um, th- you know, those are teams. They're, they're home games. They're teams we've played before. Obviously, Fordham was a great game last year. Came right down to the wire. We had to make a ridiculous defensive stand. Uh, in order to win that game, Tony ran for a touchdown, uh, and and I think threw another one. But um, you know, what what do you think it's going to be like to play at Villanova, to play at uh, Delaware, where they get twenty two thousand people? I think it's going to be awesome. Obviously, I think it's going to be a test. I don't think we've, like you said, consistently had to play top twenty five teams like the CAA has. But I think it's going to be a really good test, and I think we're going to be really ready for it. Um, Villanova is a team that obviously a lot of our players are familiar with being from Pennsylvania and surrounding areas. And so I feel like it's going to be a great atmosphere because one, like you said, they get 20,000 people there and you're going to have, it's going to be like more of a prideful kind of thing where you feel like you're playing like in front of your parents, in front of your hometown, stuff like that. And so it's going to be exciting. We're going to be really amped for that. And uh, I'm excited to see how we do. Well, I know something that everyone's excited to, to do is to get to know you a little bit more too. You know, I think people and football is a little different because you know, the fans are a little detached. It's not basketball where they're kind of surrounding everyone. You got a helmet on. So I think it's it's good to kind of now, you know, let's give the listener, you know, to this podcast, the viewers on ESPN and the fans, just a little bit more info kind of about yourself and, you know, just a few different things that, you know, we're all, you know, also curious about. You know, 
your game day routine. You know, is there a routine for Tony Musket on game day? Is is it really not so much the case? You know, take us through kind of a typical game day for you as you get ready to take the field. Yeah, so it's a little weird. Uh, we obviously have a team breakfast in the morning, but before that I'll get up, I'll stretch a little bit, and then I'll go to the uh, stop and shop, and I'll buy blackberries. And that started because after, before Charleston Southern, Coach Gallo was eating them, and he was like, superfood. I was like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> and he just kept on saying they're superfoods. So I was like, all right. So I, I had some, and I felt pretty good that day. So then I was like, I'm going to try it before the Charleston Southern game. Went to the stop and shop bottom, played well. And then every home game since then, I've been buying blackberries and eating them. Like fresh blackberries? You just eat them right away? Yeah. Okay. So that's only home games, though? Yeah, I can't get blackberries on the we road. Got, okay, I mean, well, now that you've we'll, told we'll take us. take care of that. Yeah, there's people here. We could find some blackberries. Yeah, I definitely can get you some blackberries. <laughs> we could get that done. We'll but, get uh, you blackberries. Yeah, after that, put the put the headphones on, start listening to my music, my uh, playlist, and then head over to breakfast. We'll have a walkthrough um, when they get ready for the game, and then go from there. So it's really just blackberries and beets. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Same, a little bit of breakfast. Same music, different music every week, kind of depending on on what mood you're in? Um. I'll vary it week to week. I'll usually have one song every like two weeks that I'm really listening to. And I'll just kind of play that on repeat. It gets kind of repetitive, but I guess the juice is flowing. I like it for that week. So I'll usually, whether it's a little baby or just a popular rapper, I'll play that. And then next couple of weeks, change it up. And then after that, yeah. What, um, why did we give you number 11? Were you just number 11? Yeah. I, uh, I was number five in high school and then came in. I knew Kenji was 11. And uh, Kenji's, Ken, I'm, I'm kind of close with Kenji. He's DM me after like games and stuff like that. Nice. And so, yeah, he's a cool dude. And so I was I was cool with wearing number 11. I was like, all right, yeah, it looks pretty cool. Um, I was going to, I was thinking about changing it this year since I feel like I've, you know, gotten to the point where I like, I would be given the opportunity to change my number. But I think I'm mistaken 11 just because it's kind of been the quarterback number here for a while now, and I think it's a could become a tradition. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, that would be pretty cool to, to have. I just I just wonder because I know basically uh, people don't understand this at home, but but at Monmouth and at a lot of schools, um, when you come in as a freshman, you're just assigned a number. You you don't really get to pick. You know, Coach Bo or whoever does it, Coach Callahan, just gives you a number, and then. You go through your years and you're able to jockey and maybe get a single. Di- Everybody's trying to get into a single digit. Everybody wants to wear a single digit, and you try. To I don't get the infatuation around. with the single digit. I mean, I know it's because I'm not a Division I mean, One football player, but right. I think it's just the aesthetic. They like how like it looks and stuff. Slimming look. <laughs> I, mean, I do too. I like how it looks too. But yeah. Okay. Eleven's yeah, pretty cool. But the though. sticks are cool. You know, eleven's good one. All right. So, so yeah. So that that's why. And, and I was actually talking to one of our other players who who has had a number his whole career here, and I'm not going to call him out on the podcast, but he's like, "Oh, I'm thinking about le- about changing this year," and I'm like, "For what? <laughs> like you've had the same number, you've made, you know, yeah, it's a good number too. It's not a crap number. There are bad numbers. People don't understand. My wife and I were talking about this the other day. There are bad numbers in sports. What's a bad number to you? I, I don't want to call any, you know, like if I say the number and then somebody <laughs> somebody right, has right. that number, they're going to be like, "Oh, what's a bad number for you?" 67. <laughs> That's a bad number. <laughs> That's it's a bad you, number. You were also very prepared with that, number. so I understand. I do. It's a tough number. It's a tough. The 60s are tough. Yeah. And listen, I'm an offensive lineman. Like, I'm dwelling in the 50s and 60s. Yeah, no, it's true. But some of those look better. Like 55 yeah, f- looks cool. 55 is good. 50 is a good number. 58 is a good number. If and you know what, if you're if you're the right player, you can make any number look good. That's a good point. Like I, I bumped into yeah. Dan Sullivan, who was training. Uh, training Gene Scott for the for his workout and he was 59 and, I, and nobody was ever like oh 59 like that's not a traditionally great number but when he was out there destroying quarterbacks yeah um you're like yeah 59 is a great number <laughs> so i mean there are good and bad numbers i think but, it's interesting and i think it's interesting that you and Kenji have developed that relationship where now you know like there there's other numbers at Mammoth that mean something 80 it was Miles's number, sure, and it was someone else before Miles as well. Like that number is a great number. Anthony Galella, I believe, was eighty, wasn't he? Is that who it was eighty? So that number means something. It was something. eighty-three, right? right? So now eleven has become this, and that is an organic tradition, right? Now it's yeah. no, that's the number Shooter. for the Mammoth quarterback, <laughs> Brett Burke, you know, to wear. So I think that I think that is cool. Was was Sabell eleven? When all is said and done, you're going to look at Dan Sabella, Tony Musket. 
and Kenji Bahar all were 11, I believe. That's and pretty good. We'll be yeah, one, two, and three. I think in Brian the Bolin were 12. If I'm not Bolin mistaken, was 12. Right? Oh, I'm sorry. Bolin will be up there too. No, but that's, but you mentioned, you know, the number 11. You know, I think that's interesting. You know, Tony, is, is there, you know, as, as we kind of get to know, right, you a little bit, you know, is it, who were the quarterbacks that you looked up to, you know, when, whether it was recent, you know, when you were in high school or even now, or maybe growing up that maybe you looked at and you're like, man, I want to, I want to be like that guy. Uh, my older brother, he, um, when I was a freshman in high school, he was a senior, and he, he was uh, it's pretty cool. He was a three-year starter, so he started sophomore, junior, senior year. Now I started my sophomore, junior, senior year, so it was six years of muskets. Um, <laughs> but ever since I was in, I started playing football in seventh grade. Uh, I just like I would always want to go to the field with him. He'd always bring me live with him to the field, and he really taught me like everything I know about quarterback up until I got to college. To be honest with you, um, I wouldn't be nearly like the athlete if it weren't for him, my older brother. Um, I want to be nearly the athlete or the person I was without them because like, they, they were the ones always like bringing me outside, making me play sports and stuff like that. And that's really where I developed like a love for the game and then a love for quarterback too. So you have the, the Mannings in Louisiana and you have the Muskets in Northern Springfield, Virginia. Virginia. In Nova. That, that works for me. Um, what Do they still get to come to a lot of games, your brothers? My Yes, my brother that played quarterback, he came to a couple last year, but my oldest brother – he works, so he's going to try to make one up this year, which I'm hoping to get him to one. But he hasn't been to one yet, and he's really excited to get yeah, to one. Yeah, so. I'd imagine that he'd want to. Um, what, uh, what's one movie you're sitting at home, you and Dimir, whoever you live with, you're sitting at home, and, uh, and he's not playing TG on Xbox, and, and you're flipping through the channels, and a movie comes on. What's mo- one movie you have to stop and watch when you flip through it on the, on the – I don't know if you guys are – maybe you are. You're uh, – Seen the Greatest Showman, the musical? Yeah. Yes. I'll tell you what, that soundtrack is a top five movie soundtrack I've ever listened to. Wow. That's it's wow. It's an awesome answer. I, I, uh, yeah. I, I would have bet you $1,000 and not come up with That is an awesome Greatest answer. Showman, but that's great. It is a great movie. And I it didn't, is. I'll tell you what, I watched it at home with my wife and my kids, and I didn't know it was a musical. I was just, they were like, oh, we watched Greatest Showman. I'm like, all right, cool, whatever. It's got a Wolverine. I can't think of the guy's name. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, Wolverine, (laughs) Hugh Jackman. Yeah, Hugh Jackman. There we go. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, I'll watch it, whatever. And then like the first like 20 minutes, there's like two songs. And I'm like, wait a minute. (laughs) I'm like, is this a musical? And my oldest daughter's like, yeah, it's a musical. How could you not know that? I'm like, all right, I'll I'll, I'll stick it out as long as I can. But I'm not, you know, I might be going downstairs to throw on the Xbox. I don't know how much of this I can watch. Musicals are making a comeback. I watched the whole thing. It was awesome. It's a it's an awesome movie. It's a really good movie. Funny story. I felt the same way like before I watched it, and I watched it, and I was like, "Wow, this is amazing!" And I watched it like two more times, and then I came to uh, on campus the summer before freshman year, and I'm rooming with Oliver Jervis, our left tackle now. And he puts on the greatest showman. And I'm like, I wasn't gonna say anything because that's like embarrassing. And then he starts singing along too. And I'm like, wait, I'm like, you know, he's like, yeah, I love this movie. And I was like, oh shoot, this is like my favorite movie right now. Sneaky, <laughs> yeah. the there greatest showman. The different things that bring teammates together, yeah. right? You would you would never guess. That's so cool. You know, Tony, we appreciate you not only you know going through everything, right? We kind of went over the whole roster, and and you know, Mama's moved to the CAA, but you know, it's been great to watch you do your thing. And we're only excited about you know what's in store, you know, in the, in the future for you. And thanks for joining us today because, you know, it, it's good that the listener can kind of hear beyond number 11, right? He, you know, sure. take, kind of go beyond the helmet a little bit. So we, we really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you very much. This was really fun. Thanks, Tony. Well, it's so great to catch up with Tony. And, and you know, it's funny since he's been on campus, because of kind of all, 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 you know, a lot of the COVID things, we haven't had a chance to really sit down and like, yeah. you know, talk with Tony, see him after games here and there. And, you know, I think it's great for the listeners and, and people that, you know, are fans of Monmouth to to hear from the quarterback. And, you know, any kind of preconceived notion you had about him as a leader, it's true because he, he just kind of says all the right things. Yeah, and I think just talking with some of the coaches, they, they've said that this offseason he's working his butt off, just working as hard as he possibly can and really emerging as that leader and, um we are in a really good spot, I think, to join the CAA uh, with Tony Musket as our quarterback. You know, you, you kind of hear it in the NFL, right? Everyone's looking for the quarterback, right? And it doesn't matter whether it's someone in the draft or someone that you're looking for. But it, the same thing applies at youth football and high school football and in college football. And you, you, you gave a great story about, you know, right before Tony's first start. And, and then I think we all had a moment when we realized, like, none of us are coaches. We're not there every day in practice. Sure. We had that moment where you're like, Oh man, Mama's gonna go from Kenji Bahar 
to Tony Musket. Right, to a freshman. That's, but it's a fantastic run of quarterbacks. And, you know, because like you said, his ability, not only as a leader, but as a player, give Mammoth the chance day one in the CAA mm-hmm. with everything that he does. And, you know, it, it was a great job by you kind of getting him, you know, to to not only talk CAA schedule, but to talk about everything that that's coming forward. And, you know, don't tempt you or I with a Mammoth football conversation. We could talk for hours. <laughs> Seriously. And, and uh, I think he wanted to get into the schedule a little bit more, but... Um, he was too interesting. Yeah, he, we were talking <laughs> about other stuff, and in the schedule, you'll see it. And I'm sure this will not be the last time we talk about it. So, no, absolutely not. And and uh, again, for all the information about all of the spring sports around campus, please mammothhawks.com has all of your schedules. Our ESPN game, kind of our ESPN game of the week, if you will, is going to be uh, the women's lacrosse game against Temple. Myself and, and former Hawk Erica Kaufman Delia are, are going to broadcast. Love when we get the alums. We've got almost a hundred percent kind of alum broadcast you know ratio going on now so it's so great but um, you know obviously keep it locked there and for all of the other things that like greg and i let off this podcast with if, if you're able to contribute to you giving know the, to the athletic department's giving days to the university's giving, giving days i think it's only do it it's it's you got to do it we're it'll doing it you, it'll make i am doing i am actually giving to a program that i'm not going to call it out but i'm giving to a program who uh whose coach uh, always steps up when we need something in the athletic department. Like, hey, we need somebody to help do this, or hey, we need that. This person always raises their hand and says, I will come do it, and they are happy to do it, and they do it with a smile on their face. So that is who that myself and, of course, my lovely wife, Patty, are. we are donating to that program. So when I was coming back to campus yesterday from something, a meeting or, or coffee, <laughs> It, was that the lunch meeting you had with Patty? Did, yeah, yeah. Did, did you well, have no, to? no, we didn't discuss that. She um, <laughs> she had to come up here uh, to go to a doctor's appointment, and um, so did we yesterday. And, yeah, well, she's not pregnant, so let's just put that out there. Uh, we are done having kids, but she had to go to a doctor's appointment. <laughs> Breaking and said, news. Yeah, and said, "Hey, you know, I'm going to be in the area. Do you think um, do you want to go out to lunch? And we don't get to often have lunch. We live, you know, an hour, you know, forty minutes south of here, so it's not something that happens often." And uh, I said, yeah, so I really uh, love the opportunity to go to Brennan's with my wife and mm. have about, you know, have a meal that didn't involve our children um, bothering us and asking us if they can have some of. It was Tuesday, was that the healthy sandwich? Is that what that was? I don't know what the special was. I got the, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, I got the uh, the chicken cutlet with. Um, oh, yeah, with the bacon. With the bacon. And, yeah. and so. So did my wife the last time we went to yeah. Brennan's. <laughs> so much for my double apple yesterday, but. Well, you know, might we might have to go four apples tomorrow. Right, exactly. Well, it's it's giving day, so it's a full day. So you're going to be on the move. We've got we've got that women's lacrosse game at home. There's some great spring home events, like Greg mentioned. The football spring schedule is out there. The football fall schedule, year one in the CAA, is out. A lot of great things going on, um, and another hawk talk in the books, Greg. Great job as always, man. Appreciate the time. Looking forward to doing it next week. Yeah, thank you, and uh, great job as always. And and really want to thank Tony Musket. Follow him at Tony Musket. Uh, really kind of easy to, to follow his social media, um, but give give him some love. Or, you know, he needs to get some exposure and get out there because uh, he is the face of this Monmouth program. And uh, MonmouthHawks.com slash giving days. Uh, get on there, become an ambassador, and um, and l- l- let's break that $100,000 mark over the next two days and, and really show the university what athletics means. production of the Monmouth Digital Network. Hawk Talk is available on all major podcast distribution sites, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, Pandora, and more. All rights reserved.